Welcome to the Financial Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how to build your practice from startup to scale up while being the kind of coach your clients crave. Finally, a podcast for financial coaches. Here are your hosts, Maria Casillas and Cody Sizemore. All right, welcome back to the Financial Coaches Podcast. And today we have a pretty, pretty interesting topic to talk about. Um, we are going to talk about the great debate of whether to pay the house off or not. Ooh. Right? Uh, it's a it's a hot topic, and you know there's a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions on it. And um, you know I I think it's just a good idea to talk about it because you know obviously we're coaches, and it's always good to see different perspectives and to you know just learn different ways of thinking. Uh, when we're maybe talking about this topic with our own clients. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say that by no means is anything that we are going to say going to be uh, considered financial advice. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to throw that disclaimer out there. We are just going to have a discussion about it um, and give some different perspectives on it and maybe even share our own thoughts on it. Um but by no means is are we telling you like this is the way to go because of course personal finance is personal yeah. and it should be treated as such. Absolutely. Thank you for that disclaimer. I think that's a really important thing. Um, I know not just for the people who are listening, but also for the people that are going to be coaching. So what we're hoping to do today is just bring up some different questions, bring up some different insights that have happened, whether it's to us personally or to us through some of our clients and let you guys just take all of that information and do what you need to with it. Chew on it for a little bit and then ultimately make up your own decisions. So excited to have this conversation with you today. And there might be some of you, I know Cody, you said this is kind of a hot topic and some of you might be like, my clients are like so far in debt that this is not even anywhere on their radar. What do you mean this is a hot topic? And and I'm just willing to say that those people who have gotten a little bit further in their journey, they this is coming up for them because if you are anything like I was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it's like, that's just the next step. It's just what you do. And so there's very little questioning on that. And that was, that was one spot that I faltered in. I didn't question things enough. I just kind of followed blindly a plan that was not created for me. It was created for the masses. And uh, so it just kind of created some new questions. And now I allow my clients to question some of that stuff as well and like creating plans specifically for them. So that's where all this comes in. If you haven't had clients who have this question yet, stay tuned because you will, we promise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Maria, I guess, what are your thoughts on, on the whole topic? You know, like (laughs) way to dig in buddy. (laughs) Well, you said, you said that you're kind of at that spot to where like, you know, you're, you've been working your own journey for 10 or 12 years now. And I'm just curious, like what, what's it look like in the, in the life of Maria? Well, I can tell you that 10 or 12 years ago when, you know, we had, we had 
done it all the right way, as as they have said in the past. Um, and, and what I mean by that, the formulaic, you know, you buy a house or you put at least 20% down, it's not more than 25% of your take home pay. And as you're doing other things, you also have the ultimate goal of paying that mortgage off early. And there is I feel like in the last episode, we talked about how a lot of times we don't do things for a, a badge. And yet, if I'm being honest, there there was some sort of like badge out there that if you if you had become debt free or if you had paid off your mortgage, like there is kind of a badge of honor that comes along with that. And I was very motivated by that mm. to a detriment. Um, yeah. we We had started to... So like when, when our goal was to pay off just debt without mortgage, right? Just non-mortgage debt. I, I was very intense. Um, I think I might've even told a story on here once or twice that there was a time when we had 40 cents of surplus and I literally made a 40 cent payment to a credit card because that was just something we were so focused on taking care of. And it's not something that I'm necessarily proud of, but willing to share. <laughs> so um, so when we got to the point where we had a mortgage and, and it was going to be our goal to pay off the mortgage, once we had done some of the other things that you do at the same time, we had started putting every extra bit into a mortgage. So we had the typical three to six months of expenses that was put aside for an emergency fund and, and all of the nice things. And then we had an unexpected baby. Um, that baby came after like four unexpected miscarriages. And all of those happened on a high deductible plan. <laughs> so as you can imagine, there were lots and lots of bills and expenses that came through. Some that quite frankly exceeded and depleted our three to six months of expenses. And at that moment, I and my husband found ourselves going, darn, sure wish we could access some of the equity in our home that we've built, <laughs> but we couldn't unless we went through the whole, you know, refi process, which would be a cash out starting all over again, or the HELOC route, which there's a, there's a place for, but it just was that epiphany, if you will, that we realized we don't have liquidity when we have all of our stuff tied up in this mortgage that we don't plan to access because we're not moving anytime soon. And so it just kind of got me to start researching more, start thinking more about what is it that is actually important to us. And so for me, the whole reason that I wanted to go pay it off in the first place was because of that anticipated sense of freedom, the anticipated feel of, I don't have this payment anymore. And what will I be able to do with that income when I no longer have that payment? And then I started thinking about opportunity costs. What am I missing out on now while I'm focusing so strongly on putting that in place and then also not having the liquidity from that? Because what if you can imagine, once we depleted our emergency fund, then we had to stop everything that we were doing and we had to replenish that emergency fund and we had not put anything in place to help make that faster. And so it was just a hard lesson for us. It's one that I share with people often because I want, I, I don't try to discourage them from paying that off. Uh, but what I did realize is if and when it is our goal to have a completely paid off home, then I will probably still go about it differently. I will no longer put, you know, every 40 cents to a thousand dollars extra onto my mortgage. I will probably lump some, save those things, and then 
pay it off. Because when you're in a mortgage, you have, well, there's a few things. You have one payment and it's not going to go down if you pay extra. And so your cash flow changes none. And that was one of the biggest lessons that we had is like, okay, well, we're paying extra. That's great. The balance is going down, but it doesn't matter. I still have that same amount that I have to pay every single month for the next 15, 20, 30 years, depending on what kind of mortgage you're in. And, and so I realized like, okay, well, if part of what I want to do, this is for the freedom, then the only time there's a freedom and you guys know that I don't like thinking all or nothing. Right. But when it comes to a mortgage, you either have the freedom or you don't, there is no in between unless you have gone and, and refined that and changed the payment to change your cash flow. And so because it wasn't not like a credit card to where the, the right. lower the balance, the lower the payment. Exactly. Exactly. And so at that point we're like, well, what's the point of, of paying little bits here and there? We might as well just, you know, do something else with it. And I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole to tell you what we do with it. Um, but those are some of my initial thoughts. Those were some of the initial uh, lessons that I got. Is that a good place for you to start, Cody? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that you bring up a lot of really good points. Um, but the biggest point is, is like, you know, I even had a client yesterday, uh, they came into some, some money from like a, po a profit share from, mm -hmm. uh, from their work. And they had like an extra eight grand and they're like, you know, we're considering throwing that towards the house. And they, st you know, they, they have a HELOC that they're trying to pay off and a couple credit cards and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, you could do that. Um, but if you were to do that, that would only make like a 2% dent into your house, like equity overall, and it wouldn't change your payment at all. Um, or you could use that money to pay off some debt, which would then free up income and lower your overall consumer debt um, kind of thing. And when I put it that way, they were like, oh yeah, well, so you're saying like, even if we were to take all of this and put it towards the house, it wouldn't change how we feel about our current situation. And I said, yeah, exactly. I love the you way know? they put that. I am curious with knowing that they had these extra debts sitting around and that what that was messing with their cash flow, what was their, their underlying cause or reason for wanting to put it all towards their mortgage? Yeah, they're, they're older, they're in their sixties okay, and they're wanting to retire. And, you know, obviously having a mortgage when you're retired is tough, right? you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's like a concern for them. And I said, I totally get that, you know, but at the same time, it's also tough having less money overall when you're in retirement. And, you know, if you have these other debts that are, that are just hanging out, having a good time, um, you know, you're going to have less money on top of the mortgage payment, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that they, they were just, I, I, I really think it came from a place of fear yeah. to where they're just like, you know, I really want to get this house paid off. I really want to get it paid off because we're retiring in three years. How much like, do okay. they have left on the house? I mean, it, and I don't know the answer to this question, but I can tell you that my facial expression will change if you say, $10,000 versus $100,000. Do you know no, how much they, they have? No, they have like 130 left. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. So my facial expression would change if he said 10, right? Because then mm. you're seeing like, okay, well, they're actually really damn close to hitting that mark to having it fully paid off. And so that then would relieve a little bit of, of stress for them. And yet they're a hundred and some thousand dollars away. And so the chances yep. of them paying that off in the next three years are probably a little bit slim if they don't mm -hmm. have a positive cash flow right now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And even for me, like, and Maria knows this, you know, you know, you know this quite a bit about me. We've had several conversations about how I just want to get my house paid off. I want to get paid off. My big goal was to have my house paid off by the time I'm 30. Mm -hmm. I'm 28. Um, and that was a huge goal. You know, like I really wanted to get my house paid off because I was 30 or, or when I was 30. And it wasn't until recently, and what I mean by recently is probably the last three or four months. Mm. Um, I was sitting there because I think about this thing all the time. It's like, it's like kind of obsessive. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like everything that I do is, is to get this house paid off. And I was sitting there one night and I was asking myself, I said, well, why, why do I want to get this house paid off? And it boiled down to two reasons. One is that badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Way to admit I it. really just, <laughs> I really wanted to be like, yeah. I got the house paid off by 30, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that would just be so cool to, to just feel for myself, but also like inspire my friends and my family and like all these different types of things. Yep. That was one reason. But the bigger reason was because, and I've told you this before as well, is because I want to have the freedom to not have to work so much. And I thought, okay, well, if I can free up an extra $1,200 a month, then I wouldn't need to work as much and I wouldn't, and I'd be able to spend more time with my family doing more experiences with them and actually like living the life that I really, really want. Mm -hmm. That was my driving factor, the really mm -hmm. big one, right? Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I'm like, yeah, like that, that is the ultimate reason but is this the best way? Mm. I challenged myself because I've always heard that that's the best way. And I was convinced that that was the best way. And I still think that paying the house off is a really good idea. That's still a huge goal for me. Like my goals haven't really changed. Uh, it's more so about the process of going about that way. Mm -hmm. Because what I was doing was um, just making extra payments on the house. You know, 40 like cents kind of, here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like what you were doing. And, you know, I too felt that kind of thing to where it's like, well, if something came up or if an opportunity came up, I wouldn't have the money to address the issue or the money to invest into the opportunity because I had been putting all of my extra money into my house. And now that's locked into the equity. Um, and I, and I can't access that unless I want to refinance or take a HELOC out. And both of those options are not appealing to me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is one of the first conversations we had a couple of years ago yeah. when we first yeah. met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That this was like one of the, one of the foundational, uh, 
conversations. This that is either had. where he gained all the respect he has for me or lost it. One of the two. We're going to see where this goes. <laughs> it was definitely a gain for sure. Oh, okay. Well, that's, um, that's encouraging. Yeah. So recently I, I have made the decision and, and I've talked to my wife about it too. I got her okay. Um, <laughs> to where I said, Hey, like we have this money that, that we've been building up in what we also call an opportunity fund. And our goal was to just build it up to the point to where, you know, we would continue to pay down our mortgage. And then once the opportunity fund met the balance on the mortgage, we were going to pay the mortgage off. That was our initial goal. Mm -hmm. But I think that because I also want to have the house paid off and I also want to build wealth, that there has to be a way to do both at the same time. And to, and to not necessarily take away from either one. And I found that if I only focused on the house, that I would then be taking away from the other thing that I wanted to do too. So I started brainstorming. I said, well, how can I get both accomplished? And for me, and me personally, that route would be investing into some real estate and doing some rental properties. So, um, because I have always had a huge passion for real estate, it's something that's always been super interesting to me. It's when I think about like my 20 or 30 year plan, real estate is literally at that core of everything that I want. Like I want to just build this huge empire. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I realized that, you know, I probably would be falling behind if I were to focus so much energy and time and miss out on a lot of opportunities to help me get this off the ground if I only focused on my primary residence. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing now is I'm actually using that opportunity fund and I'm allocating a certain portion of it toward investing into real estate <clears throat> to then bring in more cash flow on a monthly basis. And then with that cash flow, a portion of it is going into maintaining the property, a portion of it will go into buying the next property and then a portion of it will go towards my primary residence as well. So I am still making progress of paying off my house, but I also have another income stream that's contributing to that as well as another income stream that is also contributing to building assets as well. Mm -hmm. And with every asset that I buy, that number just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger thus being able to accomplish both things at one time. Mm -hmm. One thing I really appreciate about what you just laid out is the obvious intentionality that you have put into this. There mm -hmm. is not just, you know, okay, well, I've got this idea and I'm going to just execute. You actually have been thinking about what do I do with steps two, three, four, and five? Where do I want this money to go? What is the purpose behind these? It's not just chasing some sort of dream, right? You're actually, you actually have some intentionality there. And so I just wanted to applaud you for that because I think that's something that a lot of people kind of skip over, you know, they're just like, well, I just, I want to do this. And so I'm going to do it. And they don't really see it through a, a little bit more uh, intentionally the way you have there. Uh, so yeah, well, with, with something that you invest tens, if not sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in, 
you want to make sure you think it through, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and especially if it's something that, you know, cause my wife, I, I love my wife. She's amazing. Um, she's very simple, you know, like, she's just kind of like, Hey, like I'm cool with how things are mm-hmm. and I'm good. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, let's keep going. Like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, I'm very opportunistic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in order to, in order to bring this to her and to essentially get her approval with, with my ideas and my plans and my intentions, I, I have to have that figured out, you know, not, not just for me, but for her. Right. And by doing that for her, it actually helps me quite a bit too. Yeah. It keeps you in check. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I had a client the other day where um, he is very opportunistic and that's why, that's why I love the way that I work with people in general, that it's not super prescriptive because if I had said to him, you can't go and do any of these opportunities until you have completely paid off of your, all of your debt. That would have not worked. I mean, he might, he might not have been mad about it. He might've tried it that way for a little while, but I would have known that that's not who he is at the core. And so we, sometimes I think we just need to learn how to lean into that person and, and who they are, which is what we talked about last week. Uh, and so you being opportunistic I'm not at all surprised to hear that you've changed your mind a little bit from two years ago. Um, I think that, I think I might've been the one who told you about an opportunity fund, but I don't want to take credit for that if that's not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really cool to hear you use that term now. And the reason that it resonated so well with you, Cody, is because you are opportunistic. And so I think you probably felt antsy. Like, like there's big this time. big goal, right? Like, and, and there's nothing wrong with having such a big goal. And yet you felt like it's almost bored. Like, okay, well this, there's this thing. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes the best strategies really are boring. And I know that that's the case. We have to be willing to, you know, be in something for the long haul and such. And yet it wouldn't have been you to your core if you had just sat around waiting for that to happen or even making that happen without being able to see some opportunities in the meantime. So I'm just thrilled to hear yeah. that, that that resonated with you and that you're willing to just to have an open mind. You know, that's that's really what's most important, I think. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. Um, one thing I will say, though, is just because that's how I am, or it sounds like even how you are as well, uh, you know, just opportunistic and you want to have your options out there. Um, that's not how everybody is. Right. You know, like there's, there's a lot of people that aren't looking for the next opportunity. They're not looking for, you know, the, the, the new way to, to build wealth. What they're looking for is security, security mm-hmm. and peace yep. and just having things be okay. Yep. And if that's, if that's that type of person, then focusing on paying off the house and not getting distracted by opportunities or investments or anything like that, then that makes 100% total sense to focus on the house. Except you you still need to do, you do still need to consider a few things because I'm not as opportunistic as you might think. Definitely not as much as you are, to be honest. So I definitely fall more on the side of security. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I know Ramsey talks about the woman's security gland. 
I am said yeah, woman. Yeah. I have that. And uh, so I definitely fall more in that camp. Now I am entrepreneurial in, in nature. So I do like seeing some of that stuff and I'm always a learner. I love to continue to learn and, and just try new things. And so there is that, but I'm not the type to go out and just, you know, like, Oh, I see this opportunity. I can't miss it. And, and so I'm going to seize everything that I see. I'm definitely not that way. So for the person who is more on that peace of mind side, I just want to remind you that with a mortgage, there is no middle ground. It is all or nothing. So if peace of mind is what you're looking for, I really do encourage you to ask yourself, what does peace of mind mean for you? Uh, you know, for me, not having that liquidity was absolutely stealing my peace of mind. So from the time that we had a mortgage to the there was a time when we maybe wouldn't have had one. That interim, I didn't feel peace of mind. I felt adrenaline when I was able to lower that number, <coughs> excuse me, if I was focusing on that number. But if I wasn't focusing on the number and I was focusing on what was really important to me, and that was that stability and peace of mind, I wasn't always feeling like I had that. Because I think for us, that stability and peace of mind was actually in what are liquid savings available for us and what does our cash flow from month to month look like? So I would just encourage you, no matter which side of that coin you're on, or somewhere in the middle, because it's not just two-sided, that you really start to ask yourself, what does it actually mean? I mean, it, one, one thing says opportunistic, one says peace of mind, but what does that really mean? For us, it was to have an increased control over our money, increased stability and flex, uh, liquidity with our money, and then also the cash flow. That was important to us and still is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to, you know, as a listener listening to this today, um, you might be listening, like Maria said, and, and you're like, well, I don't really have any clients that this applies to, mm -hmm. but maybe this applies to you, you know, and, and just seeing those two different sides of this coin, um, it, it's beneficial to know like what options are out there. And it, more importantly, what kind of person you are and what makes the most sense for you. And if you're able to uh, do that and apply that lesson uh, and apply those perspectives into your own life, then that means that when either your clients work through your processes and they, they work through their goals and they get to this point to where this is a discussion, or if you bring on a new client that is it at this point? Mm -hmm. And you can approach it with experience and with total, just total options. You know, like it's not just like, oh yeah, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. But now you know, like you can approach it to not necessarily about, you know, it's all about the numbers per se, but it's more so about the type of person and individual that they are and what's yeah. going to serve them best in their, in their, overall vision for their life. Yep. And not just individual, but them as a couple too, and, and or right, as a family. Right. And I'm bringing that up because you, mm -hmm. you actually said, Cody, that you and your wife are very different types of people. And so, yeah. you know, what works for one might not typically work for the other. And yet you've joined 
at the hip kind of, you know, so you're, you're kind of have to figure out like what was going to work for you as a unit. And it might be a blend of the two different kinds. It might be where, you know, one of you comes to someone with an open mind and the other one listens. It, it, there's lots of different options for there. Um, but do keep in mind, it's not just the individual, because when we're talking about couples or families, there are de- different personalities in there to keep in mind. Yeah. And if, and if you're able to, you know, say, say that you're listening to this and uh, you're kind of identifying with that to where you're like, well, I am definitely this way, but my spouse is definitely the, the other way kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, if you're able to have that like clear communication and intentions and like, you know, you have everything buttoned up real nice and uh, you know, you checked all your boxes and all that kind of stuff. Um, it might work out in, in the best favor. And what I mean by that is like my wife is not opportunistic. You know, she definitely likes the security. She likes just kind of going with the flow, but I have been totally transparent with her and I've been, you know, I've put a lot of time into having conversations with her to where now she's actually doing my research for me and she's sending me properties, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, I don't, I don't know your actual conversations with her, but knowing what I do about you, my guess is that you were able to help show her how you can seize opportunities while also providing her the stability that she requires. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's important. So you're just, you're saying, I see that this is important to you and I'm willing to honor that for you. Here's how we can do both. So mm-hmm. kudos to you for figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You're welcome. I do have one other just random thought. It's not really that random, I guess, but it is something that I think sometimes people miss out on. And sometimes I'm hesitant to share this thought because, because it is more controversial, if you will. But that is the idea that especially in a day like today where you're seeing inflation rise sometimes in the two, you know, two digit percentages, mm-hmm. uh, that today's dollars are a lot different than the dollars in 20 years. And what happens sometimes when we are in a hurry to pay something off with today's dollars, we end up saving a lot of money on the interest. And that's one of the draws to it, right? Everyone's like, well, if you just paid it off early, you're going to save all this money in interest. Um, And yet, if you think about, like, if you have a 5% interest rate, but you're paying it with money today that is worth, you know, I don't know, 11% less than what, I mean, more than what it's going to be worth in 20 years. Are you really saving all of that money? Or are you utilizing today's dollars, which have more buying power than you, than you'll have with that same money in 20 years? It, is that making any sense? I feel like I'm kind of spewing and I don't know if it's coming out in a way that you understand it. Am I making any sense to you? Is making sense. So okay. essentially, if you have a mortgage that's a thousand dollars, yep, uh, in today's money, yep, in ten years, will a thousand dollars be this make the same impact? That's yeah, what that's and will what it saying. be harder to come about? About right? So mm-hmm. people, there are lots of people who earn six figures today. A lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot more people than earned six figures twenty years ago. And it's not just because they're harder workers. It's not because they're, you know, just super awesome at what they do. Some of them are. Some of them are really good at that. 
but minimum wage continues to go up. <laughs> so like you see all of these trends, the dollar is not doing what it normally did 20 years ago. You can't buy as much as you used to. And so ultimately, if we're being honest, it's easier to come about a six-figure job these days than it was 20 years ago. And the truth is that's going to be the same truth 20 years from now. It'll be easier to come about $1,000 from now. And when you have, now if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, that might be a different story. But if you are in a fixed mortgage and that payment is going to be the same today and it's going to be the same in 10 years and it's going to be the same in 12 years, are you using money that you could be, whether it's creating opportunities or paying other things off or creating liquidity for yourself to have actual peace of mind rather than throwing it at that mortgage? Could you lump some, save some of that and then dump it on that when you come to the end? That's just something I wanted to throw out there as well, because I know it's come up for other clients as well. Yeah, I think that that's something that uh, should definitely be considered, um, especially with something so large as like, you know, a mortgage. Yeah. You know, if, we're, if we're talking like a like a personal loan or a credit card, I don't think that really matters too much because you know you can get those done relatively quickly but for something that's over the course of 15 20 30 years that's definitely something to consider yeah and those smaller loans i mean those those will have an impact on your cash flow we've talked about mm -hmm. that if it's not an yep. efficient loan it will have a a negative impact on your cash flow. So when you pay that off, your cash flow does open up a little bit. So that that's definitely something to consider. And in the end, it's it's a hassle to have a bunch of tiny little loans. So that's the other mm -hmm. thing too. We, we talk about that it's not just math, that you also want to consider some of the other stuff. And sometimes having those little loans, even if it would be you know better to pay them off later, it's not always better to pay them off later, especially if you're looking at like you know 17%, 20%. Those are higher than inflation is going to be. Well, maybe we'll see. Um, but those are, if you're actually just looking at math, that would make sense. At the same time, it's like you have all these pesky little things that you have to keep track of that's a lot different than keeping track of one bill, which would then be your mortgage for the next, you know, 10 years or whatever. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, just remember, it's not always just the numbers. Mm -hmm. I feel seems like that's a common a theme. theme. Yep. Yep. Seems to be one of our themes, which, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> isn't a bad thing. I think it serves our clients the, well. It's not just the numbers podcast. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if it would be as easily findable, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those of you who have tuned in, I'm sure you are also sensing the theme. And I hope that you're willing to share some of the insights and aha moments that you receive from that, uh, from this podcast. And feel free to do that, whether it's sending us an email at, is, is it support at Financial Coaches Podcast? Is it, nope. is it podcast at newmoneyhabits.com? There you go. Yes. All right. I knew it would be something in there. So yeah, email us at podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Throw us some of those insights or questions that you have, or you know what? We're even willing to do a case study. So if you have something that you're like, hey, I've got this particular client, leave names out. We would love to dissect that on this podcast. At least I would. I didn't even mm -hmm. mention that to Cody earlier. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> I think that would be fun. So if you have such a case study, feel free to email it to us for that. And then also just feel free to join us in our group. And I'm going to let you do that one, Cody, because I already screwed one thing up today. I don't want to do it twice. Yep. So the Facebook group is New Money Habits Financial Coaches. Perfect. Uh, it's a growing group and um, it's a great place to connect, great place to ask questions, great place to cheer each other on. Um, and, you know, always stay up to date with everything that we're doing as well. So New Money Habits Financial Coaches is the group on Facebook. 
Yes, it is completely free. And if uh, you join because you listen to this podcast, then you'll get a discount and it will be extra free. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. Extra free is better than free, you guys. Right. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, thanks so much for tuning in today. We love doing this with you. We're so glad that you're getting value from this. We're, we're hearing from you guys, and we really appreciate the feedback. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Financial Coaches Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Sizemore Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and join our growing group of like-minded coaches on Facebook. And until next time, happy coaching. Music provided by Summer School.